Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm Dave. If we've not met, uh, welcoming Amped, Blend, Roan County. Good morning down in Bearden as well. And every weekend we do that. Do you know it takes 18 people to make this event happen right now? That in, all, in our campuses and in our venues, it takes 18 folks. If we're fully staffed in, in people who are participating through sound, lights, video, capturing the video, sending the video, it takes 18 people to make that happen. And, and if you have any kind of tech ability whatsoever, if, if you are um, tech clueless, this isn't for you. But... But if you have any kind of tech ability whatsoever and you're like, oh, I think I could run a camera, I think I could, could run a light board or at least switch the lights on and off in some way, shape or form or whatever it may be, we would love for you to participate. It's a way that we can serve together and, and it impacts. Uh, the, uh, talk to the folks who are down in uh, Bearden, the folks out in Roan County, uh, the way that we deliver every weekend the message to them, it matters and makes an impact. So it is a significant way that you could serve and we'd love to invite you to go find out more information if that's something that might interest you on any one of our campuses. So as we jump in here, uh, we're starting a new series called Little Letters. We're going to be in the four one-chapter letters that you may never have read in the New Testament before. You may have just uh, flown right over these letters. I, I grew up in flyover country. That that's my story. I grew up in rural Illinois. I grew up in a little town that's one square mile large and about 1,300 people is the little town where I'm from. It's not a destination. It's one of those places that, that if people do happen through uh, the area where I live, it's because they had to land in Chicago before they went to LA. And they just took off out of Chicago, flew over my little town on the way. It's the middle of fly over country. That's the way that, that people uh, in places of prominence and significance talk about little communities that lie across all of the Midwest. It's just the place that we fly over. And many of us approach the scriptures in the same way. I've shared with you before that, that for most of my life, uh, I, I, I just flew right over the Old Testament. That's not really relevant. And when I got to the New Testament, the parts that were confusing to me, Revelation, I flew right over that book. Um, who really cares? Anyway, it's all going to pan out in the end. And uh, little letters like this one. What do I do with this? What do I do with this letter from, from a dude by the name of, um, it's kind of like Pokemon, Philemon. Um, no, not really. This guy named Philemon. To, to uh, uh, What do I do with this letter? A slave owner. What's that have to do with me? What's that have to do with me and, and following Jesus? And I want to suggest to you this is a powerful little letter, that if we allow it to shape how we follow Jesus, is going to make all the difference. And so uh, as we get started in this series, this week is really just set up for where we're going to go over the next six weeks. And, and it, it, we really need to begin with what it is that we talk about. Why do we teach the Bible? We did a, a whole series on what is the Bible, but why now do we teach the Bible? Who are we? What's, what's our identity? And it's really important that we begin in the same place. And that is, as, as followers of Jesus, that we would know the life that we're invited into. Because many of us were presented the good news of Jesus in a way that was presented like this. Jesus died for your sin so that you could go to heaven someday. Like the overly simplified version is Jesus died for your sin so you could go to heaven someday. And, and while that's true, it's true-ish. It's not what Jesus said. 
He didn't say, hey, I'm going to die for your sins so that you can go to heaven someday. He actually declared something different. He declared the good news of the kingdom of God. Well, what's the good news of the kingdom of God? We, we say this a bunch because it really matters. The good news of the kingdom of God isn't that you can go to heaven someday. It's that you can live as followers of Jesus today. Heaven's a benefit. Heaven's a benefit. Okay? That's, it's not the goal. The goal is to follow Jesus today in real time, in, in real life, in, in the day in, day out parts of life, wherever that takes me, whether it's in retirement or whether that's in school or whether you're in the between of those two and you're, and you're in the work world in some way, shape or form, whether you're a mom who's working in your home or whether you're, you're working in a workplace in the community, whether or not you're telecommuting, you still, um, don't know why you're doing that, but if you're telecommuting still, some of you are like, man, I, they just haven't made me go back to work yet. This is awesome. No matter where we are, to follow Jesus in and out, that's the life that we're called to. And, and this is a, just a good reminder for me that when Jesus summarized his purpose for coming to earth, he summarized it this way. There, there were, in Luke's gospel, there were a bunch of people that, that Jesus had just done some pretty amazing things. And they, they go to him and they're like, we want you to stay with us. We want you to keep teaching us. And his response is, is very telling about the purpose that Jesus saw in his life. He said, I must preach or I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose, to declare the good news of the kingdom of God. And what is it? The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God to earth, and it's not someday, it's today. Since the day he walked on earth until now, the kingdom of God is here, and we can live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And it means that Jesus is with us, not in theory, but in reality. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, Jesus is present with us, and that facilitates our ability to follow him. You see, the life-transforming presence of Jesus is lived out in relationships. We often talk about our personal relationship with Jesus. Like, what's, it, what's the me and Jesus part? In fact, our culture has, has brainwashed us into thinking that religion is it's segregated to a very personal thing. That isn't in the Bible. It's not like, hey, it's just, you know, you believe what you believe. No, what we believe about Jesus is supposed to shape every area of life. It has to be brought with us everywhere because it shapes who we are. It's not something that I leave in the private lie. I pray and then I just live my life. No, it's, it's every sphere of life. In the book of Colossians, and you'll be like, wait, you said we were going to be in Philemon. Yeah, we're going to. Talk about the book of Colossians because these two books are knit together. The book that we call Colossians, it's a powerful letter that's, that's written from, from Paul and Timothy to a, a church. And when it says a church, it's talking about all of the churches in a region. All of the churches in, in a region, in, in a town called Colossae, that, that they would um, respond to the good news of the kingdom of God. And so uh, Paul wrote them a letter Paul and Timothy wrote to them, and, and they lay out in this letter a, a powerful description of the supremacy of Christ, his identity, who he is. And in light of that, an abbreviated version of the, of the letter that they wrote to the church in Ephesus that we call Ephesians, that, that 
uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus in reality. But then he wrote to a specific church, a specific congregation that met in a home. Not, not to all of them, but, but to one of them. And so the, the church that meets in Philemon's home, they, they have this letter. They, they would have read this letter. The, these two letters were written at the same time, delivered by the same people. It was one was to one little group of people who are, are meeting together. The one is to all of the believers in a region. And so it's important that we would read Philemon in, in the context of this letter to the church in Colossae, or Colossae, depending on what you look up on YouTube. And at the essence of that message... Paul and Timothy wanted the, the followers of Jesus and Colossae to know, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory in this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes on to say that him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You want to know what it's all about? It's all about recognizing life of following Jesus is recognizing Christ in you. That's our hope. That you have, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, Paul uses these terms interchangeably, the very presence of Jesus, not out there in the sphere somewhere, but active within us collectively as God's people, but also within us personally that we can follow Jesus in reality. The good news of the kingdom of God points us to a new reality, and that is Jesus is present in our lives today. Jesus is present in our lives today. Whether or not we live with an awareness of that, whether or not we recognize it, it doesn't diminish the fact that it is true. If we are a follower of Christ, for all of those who have new life in Christ, Jesus is present in our lives today. And the life-transforming presence of Jesus is lived out in relationships. It's the only place that, that it's made known. It's made known in our hearts personally, but the way that that gets demonstrated is in relationships. And we're going to unpack that more this weekend. So we're going to begin. We're just going to get through the greeting in this letter this weekend. If, if you um, did the live it out, this past week on Friday, you've already watched the Bible Project summary of this video, and you'd be like, uh, of this letter, and in that video, they talk about that this is a significant letter. Some of you are like, I've never read this thing before. What's this have to do with me? So Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our brother, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I had derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And as you read this week and live it out, we're going we're gonna to begin in Philemon and we're going to go through the middle of the week. We're going to go through Colossians. And, and I, I want you to pay attention this week to, to where you see similar people. The, this letter is written to the same group of people, but where he also says similar type things. 
in particular here, he's talking about the, a, a couple things that are really significant when we talk about relationships. But before they, we do that, out of our last series, one of the big questions that Tim and I talked about last weekend uh, that people had multiple questions on is, how do we interpret scripture? You know, you have people, they come at it from all these different directions. How do we interpret scripture? And, and during that um, uh, Q&R, we, we talked about how there's a method. That it's not just, hey, use whatever method you want. There, there's a method that we use in order to um, discover the meaning because the biblical text has a meaning. And it's not what it means to you and what do you think it means and what do you think it means. It, it's what does it mean to the audience that the letter was written to. In this case, this is a letter written from who? It says it's written from Paul. And, and you may go, yeah, Paul wrote a bunch of letters. But, but we also talked last weekend, when, when the biblical text tells us something, here it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Well, this is a letter from Paul and Timothy. And if I were to ask you, how much scripture did Timothy write? You'd be like, I don't know of any letter. If you know your Bible, you'd be like, I don't know that any letter is from Timothy. But if we just go with what the text says, Timothy actually helped write six letters. And two letters were written to him. And traditionally, Paul has given 13 letters. And so uh, of the majority of the letters that Paul write, Timothy was either a co-author or the recipient. I didn't know Timothy wrote scripture. It tells you that he did, right here. Yeah, it's from me too. And this is why, in this letter, Paul's gonna say, I, Paul, it's like in a book. When you're reading it from two authors and they're like, okay, like, let's say Tim and I were writing a book last weekend and I'd be like, okay, this is from Dave. You, maybe you've read a book like this. Hey, this is, this, there's two of us writing this book. We're going back and forth. Maybe it's chapter by chapter. But I want you to know that this story is about me. It's about Dave. Paul does that in his writing frequently. He tells you, hey, right now I'm emphasizing this. How much of the letters did Paul actually pen with those own hand? Very, very little. And because why? Why do you say that, Dave? Because he actually tells us when it's really important, so important that he wrote it with his own hand, he says, I wrote this in ginormous letters so that you know it's actually written by my hand. Otherwise, it's written by a, a, somebody who would write letters for you. This is common. It used to be common. It used to be common that you could just dictate a letter. This was common in the days in which we had, Scripture was written. And so we should, should believe that, that, that this is what, who the authors are, and, and it takes us to who this letter is written to. Now, when, when it comes to how do we interpret Scripture, I want to suggest to you that there's a path that we would do it in an orderly way. And sometimes uh, trying to find the right path, it can look like this. It can be pretty confusing. Some of you, this is what a roundabout looks like. You'd be like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> if I enter, will I ever get out? Like, where am I going? Where's my exit? What do I do? There's actually an intersection downtown Knoxville that I feel is like this. It's got like everything coming in at an angle and there's like three lights. And what, what, what do I do here? Which one of these lights is for me? Some of you feel like this is what the Bible's like. And so uh, we want to give you a simplified path. And this letter actually sets up nicely for it. That, that the path is this. Who are the authors? Who is the author or authors? 
And then the meaning goes to the original audience. Who was the original audience? Well, it was a, a group of believers that were assembling in Philemon's home. So you have Philemon, who's, who's obviously a, a partner in the good news of the kingdom of God with Paul. But then you have a couple other people. You have Appia, our sister. And so people debate. There's a lot of speculation. Is this Philemon's wife? Is it another? But it's a, it's a woman who's a church leader in the home, in the church that meets in Philemon's home. And then there's um, Archippus, and, and who is he? He's a fellow soldier. He's also another gospel worker. And he's actually, at the end of the letter to the church in Colossae, he's actually uh, given an admonition from Paul and Timothy saying, hey, can, make sure that you fulfill the calling God has placed on your life. We just fly right by these people. Ah, do they really matter? Well, it's amazing. Out of, out of our, our study where Tim and I were studying, it's amazing how much more now I pay attention to what the text says about itself. And there's things that will just, if you just read it carefully, it'll jump out and tell you. It'll just tell you. And so this week on Thursday, you're going to read the closing greeting in Colossians. You'd be like, boy, that sounds thrilling. That sounds amazing. You'll be amazed if you read it carefully and you compare it to the people who are in this letter. You're going to be, oh, and then you're going to be like, well, I know that, that Luke, the physician, he's the one who wrote the gospel of Luke. And there's a couple other writers in here. You mean all these New Testament dudes knew each other? Yeah, they all knew each other. They lived in relationship with one another. Now, Here's what's important. So, so this, is, this is really in the New Testament. It's a lot closer to the context in which we live. And yet the context is totally different. The, the, this letter is, is written and is going to get really challenging. This weekend is not it. All we're doing now is the setup for next weekend. That, that everything that, that Paul and Timothy are going to ask for is based on relationship. But this is just the setup. And so interpretation takes us on the path that, that we're going to get to the meaning before we move on to the application. And you'll notice there in your handout on the bottom, there's something called the shortcut. And here's how the shortcut looks. And, and we often, when it comes to the New Testament, we take the shortcut. We don't take the time to understand who this was written to, what was the context that, that they lived in. And because we take the shortcut... A, a letter written about a former slave to a slave owner that, that was written 2,000 years ago seems to be irrelevant because I'm like, wow, that does not translate cross-culturally because I don't take the path. I just try and go, what was the author saying? How does this apply to me? We just jump straight to application. And I want to encourage you that when it comes to the New Testament, this can be a danger, because what we can end up doing is we can end up saying, well, Paul and Timothy did this, so I need to do that. They did it this way, so I need to do it that way. And what we end up doing is we end up reducing the biblical text to a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. Rather than understanding, what was the ask? What was, what's he really saying to them? And, and in this greeting, he's saying that, that we have partnered together in the gospel and we have a depth of relationship based on who Jesus is. And he doesn't say it explicitly, but he's already laid it out very clearly in another letter. And we have that letter. 
So everything that he's writing to him is based upon the identity of who Jesus is. And in the Bible Project video, they're like, well, this is the one, this is the one letter that we have in the New Testament that's from Paul where he doesn't address Jesus and the gospel. And, and they say because it's, it's lived out. And so he demonstrates what it is to live out the gospel. I would argue he doesn't because he already has. He's already laid it all out. And so he doesn't need to take to this one local gathering that's meeting in Philemon's home. He doesn't need to make it clear. He's already made it clear. This is the gospel. And oh, by the way, I have a special message to you and the people who live are meeting in your home, Philemon. And, and that's what we're going to unpack next weekend. Now, everything Paul and Timothy are, are going to ask for is based on relationships. Everything that they're gonna ask for is based on relationship. They have a depth of relationship. Now, the other thing that, that we have to be careful that we do is, is that as we read about the relationships that, that Paul has, we need to recognize that this letter is, is not to us, okay? Don't, don't read yourself into a New Testament letter. I, I would encourage you, don't do that. People encourage you to, might encourage you to. I would say if you're gonna read yourself into any biblical text, a biblical narrative is different than a letter. You are neither the writer of the letter nor are you the recipient of the letter. And so it's important that you don't read yourself into the letter because which character are you gonna be? The point is, what is he talking about who Jesus is and what's it look like for us to live as citizens in the kingdom of God as we follow Jesus? And this is radical and it will shape us. And I wanna encourage you, if you can at all not miss next weekend, there's going to be a radical ask. But it all begins with going, do I wanna be shaped? Now, here's what we do see. Paul and Timothy they, they couldn't rely on the proximity of relationships. Often for us, we, we would say, who are the people that you're in a deep relationship with? And we would define it as the people that I meet with frequently. It's the people that I, I, I okay, it's the people that have a, a texting relationship, okay? The, the people who have a texting relationship, for me, that's a, a close relationship. If you, have, if you have texting rights, that's a close relationship in my world. Um, I have someone in my world, they just like hijack texting rights. I'm like, cool, I didn't give you texting rights. You have email rights, okay? You got email rights. If we want to take our relationship to the next level, let's have a conversation about texting. I'm just, I'm joking, mostly. So <laughs> out of that, in our, in our world, that's, that's a type of relationship. It's also the people maybe you meet with frequently. Maybe you have coffee together. Maybe you, you go to eat together. Uh, you, you meet in each other's homes together. You're in group together. You, you go to church together. You, you're in community together. And part of the way that we define that is frequency of, of meeting. But that's not the way that the biblical authors could define relationship. Paul, Paul is making, and Paul and Timothy, they're making this argument to this group of believers, and it's based on relationship, but it can't be, they, they can't text each other. They had to invest a lot of money to send a letter. How did you have to send a letter? Well, first of all, you had to use the parchment and the, and the, the writing ability that you had in the day, and this is expensive. And then you had to send a person with the letter to deliver it. Somebody had to risk their life 
to get the letter to the audience. For those of you who are complaining about the cost of stamps going up, chill out. It's not costing you hundreds or thousands of dollars to send a letter. This would have been the case. Like you actually had to risk your life to go from place to place. It wasn't safe to travel. And so this must have been important. These, these New Testament letters are important. It was, it was essential that this message would get delivered. And what we do see, though, are some principles that are applicable to us. The depth of relationship is based upon active prayer. Active prayer is a key relational foundation. And when I use that phrase, active prayer, I, I would say I, I call a passive prayer um, I just, just throwing my stuff out to God. Passive prayer is just thinking, maybe um, I, I have a list and I just pray the list. I tell God what's going on and I move on. That's, that's really passive. And you're like, well, I'm actively telling God what's going on. Well, yeah, but, but what we're talking about is maybe interactive. It's active prayer. It's, it's the ongoing conversation that I have between God and me through the Holy Spirit. It's active prayer. It, it serves as a pivotal relational foundation. The people in your life that you actively pray for and that you listen about and that you encourage along the way, that's the kind of relationship we're talking about. And what we see pretty much in all of Paul's letters, he, he talks about active prayer. I remember you when I pray. And, and I believe, right, he doesn't explicitly say that he was in a conversational relationship with Jesus. I think he was in a conversational relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I think he was having an active dialogue dialogue with God and he was bringing these people before Jesus and he was asking for Jesus's guidance and his prayers are marked by an incredible gratitude they're focused on what they're, they're focused on the life transforming presence of Jesus being lived out in the world around them and in particular these relationships are based upon the good news of who Jesus is you see, partnering in the good news of the kingdom of God builds strong relationships. The life-transforming presence of Jesus can be lived out in all relationships. And for many of us, we would say it's for people who don't know Jesus yet. It's for the people who have yet to become followers of Jesus. Yes, I need to live out the presence of Jesus in order that people would see Jesus, that they would meet Jesus, that they would become followers of Jesus. And all God's people said, yes, amen, absolutely. But I want to encourage you, that's not even where it begins. It begins in an even bigger sense. It's the relationship we have with each other. It's the partnering around the gospel. Jesus says that they're gonna know that you belong to me by how you love each other. Not how you love them. He doesn't even say, they're gonna know you're my follower because they're gonna see the radical nature in which you love them. No, they're gonna see the radical nature that you love the unlovely people in your life. The people who are just like you. The people who annoy you to death. Those people. I, I, I was reminded this week, I was just thinking about this, and I was reminded, uh, and I think I've shared this story before, but a number of years ago, 
um, in my workplace. Um, it was before I, I got to do this for a living. It was in a, a secular workplace, so to speak, and very secular. And, uh, and in that workplace, I was the only one that I knew who was trying to actively follow Jesus, and I was doing it pretty badly. And, and yet I didn't know. I, I, anyone else, really, that I, that I would say was, was trying to follow Jesus. And so it would be nice if there was at least one. And so there was a, a new guy who showed up. And, and as he came into the, the workplace, I'm like, okay, this guy, this guy loves Jesus, and I love Jesus. And, and then I discovered this guy's really annoying. He's like the opposite of the guys that I want to hang out with. Like, like, you know, there's people that you connect with. There's people you're like, okay, I connect with you and I don't connect with you. And like, this guy had been on American Gladiator. Do you remember that show? American Gladiator? And, and, and he was all like, he wasn't like ultra big, but he was, he was a buff workout dude and had a really large dynamic personality and he was always the center of the show and, and, and he was like, wow. And I was like, man, you're a lot. <laughs> so annoying. And at that time, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have the equipping in my life for somebody to be like, you think you got it bad, read Philemon. You think the fact that this guy just annoys you bad? He's gonna take your worldview and flip it upside down. That's the way that we have to, to read this letter. That's the way that we're gonna be encouraged to read this letter. What's the thing in relationship that you don't think you have to do to a fellow follower of Jesus? It's obvious. You're going to love people who don't love Jesus, okay? That's obvious. You, you can't hold whatever their worldview is against them. Whatever it is, you can't hold it against them. You can't hold their religion against them. They don't know Jesus. Of course. Of course. I, I want to make a, a TikTok. I don't know if this would be very good. Hey, they don't know Jesus. Of course they're going to be, insert the blank. Of course they are. But we don't expect it when followers of Jesus are like that. We don't expect when, when followers of Jesus are unforgiving and judgmental. We don't expect followers of Jesus to, to, to walk out the door and betray us. We don't expect followers of Jesus to steal, to, to, to rob, to wrong us. Maybe even within church community, we don't expect followers of Jesus. Like, like you really left this community because of that? You've been in relationship with somebody a long time. Some of you have experienced this. You've been in relationship with people for a long time and, and they left because they didn't like music style. They didn't like whatever. I, like whatever reason, you're like, wait, wait, I thought this was about you and me. I thought this was about we. I thought this was about the life of following Jesus that we have together. And you really, you really bailed because of that? It's radical. And the only way that those kind of relationships are forged is when they're focused around the truth of the gospel. So, so here's the thing. When it comes to, to good news kinds of relationships, I'm gonna suggest to you there is a microwave. There's a microwave. 
Some of you heard, you know what? The only way you can build relationships is over time. There's no microwave for that. And I'm gonna suggest to you, there's a microwave for these types of relationships. If you just get together and, and um, you just talk about Jesus' things, that, that's gonna take a long period of time. If you come together and you start serving together in gospel things, it's amazing how fast deep roots grow. Anybody who's ever been on a mission trip for a week will tell you, yep, that's true. I experienced that. I got to know people, not just because I was in proximity with them, but, but it was the shared experience in delivering the good news of the kingdom of God, whether that was in word or in deed, whether it was what was vocal gospel proclamation or whether or not we were just digging holes together in order that a group of people might have wells. Whatever it may be, there's something significant that happens when we partner together in that kind of way. And so if you've been in a group for a long time and, and you're like, but we really don't know each other, I wanna encourage you, get out of the living room and get into the community. Get into the community. Go serve together. You are going to know each other in a way that you can. You could have a whole semester of superficial conversations about talking, talking about what it looks like and how's your life and how's your life. I'm not saying some of you groups go very deep, and I want to encourage you to do that. But you could just talk about stuff, or you can go. Wait, what if we were actually talking about stuff as we did stuff? as we actually go into our community, as we actually make a difference in the lives of people, and all of a sudden, deep roots start to grow around gospel-centered partnering. And so I have a friend of mine. Man, this guy loves going on mission trips, and uh, he, he had been on a lot of mission trips, and this story happened a long time ago. And, and he, he would always uh, talk about how much the one thing that he loved about going on mission trips was, was the relationships that were built. And in his past experience, he would go to one church in a foreign country. They would work with one church over the span of the week. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I think that that's awesome. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to a foreign country and we're gonna work with a different church every day for a week. And he's like, aghast, surely not. How will we ever build relationships? And I said, hold on, you're gonna be amazed at how fast we build relationships with people we don't even speak the same language. We can't even communicate verbally. But by the end of the day, you're gonna be blown away at how much you feel like you know them as you're partnered around the gospel. And when we got to the end of that week, he's like, I didn't believe you. But wow, it wasn't just with our translator. It was with the people in the local churches. Like, like I can't tell you any of their names. I didn't have a conversation. And yet, in that span of a, of a few hours, eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, that we were together and declaring the good news of the kingdom of God, we felt a connection. And that's from a guy who doesn't feel connected. Why? Because we're partnered together around the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the truth that Paul is relying upon. That's the kind of relationship we have. And because we're partnered around the gospel, we can ask for a radical ask. The life-transforming presence of Jesus is lived out in relationships. And, and so the question is this, will you let Paul and Timothy's plea to Philemon shape how you follow Jesus? Now, this isn't a plug to go on a global mission trip. And you're gonna have opportunity this year, and I think everybody should consider it, okay? Uh, Tim wanted me to clarify. I think everyone should consider it. But this isn't a pitch to go on a mission trip. I'm just saying, 
in experience, the truth is that if we want depth of relationship, it's partnered around gospel things. The way that we pray for each other and the way that we invest our time and energy with others to see people know Jesus. So what we're gonna do is, is talk about um, a person, a person. And so what we're gonna do right now is, is, an, is an exercise. And maybe you, you've been around Two Rivers for a while and you know that most of the time we conclude our time together by asking Jesus questions. We believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that God communicates to us in real time. By illuminating scripture, we believe that that's one way God communicates to us. And then he drives that home as we ask him questions in a personal kind of way. And some of you are like, okay, I've tried this, it didn't take. And so I want you to try it again. And so here's my ask, no matter where you are, I'm begging you do this. Pull out your phone, not a trick. Pull out your phone and go to the memo app or pull out a pen. I'm gonna wait you out, all right? I'm gonna wait you out. I could have leveraged lunch, but we're really far away from that. Um, Pull out your phone. Part of believing that God is gonna communicate to you, I think, is expectancy, and, and, and right now, there's an expectancy, and so we're going to ask a question, and, and it, you're going to have 15 seconds to ask God a question and write it down. 15 seconds. Don't think it. Don't overthink it. Don't, don't, don't get you in the way. Just ask the question. And if, and if you're a visual person and you see a person's face, or if there's a name that comes to mind, write that name down and be done. Put it down at that point, okay? This is all you're going to do, all right? Here's the question, all right? Here's the question. Here's the question. Ask Jesus this question. In what relationship do I need to focus on you being present? Ready? Go. The name that pops to your head, the name that you see, the person you see, the relationship that you have, write it down. All right, that's it. Put that away. All right, put that away. Um, there's one name, one name. And here's the thing. For me, if, if, if I'm like, okay, Jesus needs to be present in every relationship, that's overwhelming. I don't know if you're familiar. There was a study done where they gave like tw- uh, a person a choice between 20 different kinds of jelly. And if you were presented with 20 different kinds of jelly, which one do you pick? Most people said, I pick none. I pick none of those. But when you give them the choice between two and you say, do you want strawberry or do you want grape? Everybody's gonna pick strawberry, except my friend Todd out in Roan County, he's gonna pick grape. But everybody else knows, like we're picking strawberry. If if I've given just one relationship for me to say, Jesus, what's it look like for me to put you present in this relationship this week? And then the encouragement is, as we go to live it out, to use this as a catalyst to start each day. If you've not done live it out before, here's your opportunity in this series. Our encouragement is use it as a catalyst to follow Jesus. And some of you are like, no, Dave, I do live it out at the end of the day. I want to encourage you for this series, experiment with starting your day with live it out. And use it as a catalyst to begin a conversation throughout the day following Jesus. The question that you're going to have, the text that you're going to go to, it's just supposed 
supposed to start a conversation. It begins the conversation that you're going to have with Jesus as you ask him to be present in your relationships throughout the day. I encourage you this week. It's a way that we can do it together. It's a way that we can build our lives individually and together. But what we're going to do right now is in all of our venues, I'm going to invite you to stand. What we're going to do right now is we're going to worship. God, we need you desperately. We need you so desperately. And in this moment, we need your spirit to well up within us in order that we can praise Jesus. In his name, amen.